1: Nick, what is going on? Uh, Not much, man. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. Hey, next week, we begin our brand new season on the Psalms. We're going to get super devotional, super religious, super pious. But this week is the second of two Capital U Unrelated episodes. So, listener, you should still listen because this is what we really want to talk about. But if you're waiting for the Psalms, if you're waiting for the devotions, Next week, season two starts, Be There Wednesday. So I want to begin by introducing a character who's been mentioned on this show countless times, maybe five to 10 times. I feel like we I bring up Adrian quite a yeah, bit. You, so. you should
0: say right now, we're not talking about Fleming Routledge. <laughs> <Yeah.
1: laughs> That's true. My, my, The love of my life, the theological love of my life, we'll get her on later. But uh, today is my oldest and longest friend, Adrian Truskas is here with us, and I just want to say hello. How are you doing? Welcome to the show.
2: Ben, I am thrilled to be here. Nick, I am honored that I got the invite. I am super excited. I want to start off by congratulating you two by having one of the most popular two and a half percent podcasts in the world.
0: Thank you You for putting
2: this on my resume that I was on this podcast. (laughs) Hopefully it works out better for you than it does for us. (laughs) I am thrilled. And I just really want to say from the bottom of my heart, I love what you guys are doing. I love creators. Thank you so much for having me. Well, so glad to
0: have you here. Adrian, here's the reason why I wanted you to be on this podcast is I feel like you embody what is great about America you are like and you. An, you are a, a a success story what how old were you when you uh, came to this land of golden Shores I was nine nine and yeah. you were born where were you born I was born in Poland wow and then you came yeah. to central Jersey
2: yeah I came in Central Jersey that's right yeah my my dad moved when I was three my mom moved when I was six I was with my grandparents then I moved when I was
0: nine do you remember your thought process as you were like getting ready to come here like I mean, you, i'm assuming this is, like, we're like the same age right about so yeah. were, you, mm-hmm. we probably went on like a computer like googling america like what what how did you process that
2: yeah man i like to, to be honest like i remember all of it because it was such a big deal to come you know everyone at that time in poland wanted to come to america everybody everyone was attempting to at least everyone i knew It was the end of communist rule. So we were destroyed by Nazi Germany. The Russians um, defeated Germany. A lot of times we learned it was the, you know, the Allied forces, and they really did. But it was really, it was Russia that came through. So then they took over Poland and they ruled us under communist rule. Um, it's, it's really funny, actually, that you say this, because my grandmother used to always say the militia used to come by the house and arrest people. But when you say policia, that's police. So I always, police, and I always like, why do you say militia? It's the same exact word with the MRP. And she was actually talking about the militia used to come and take people away and kill them. That was the Russian. So it was tough times so when that all ended, we obviously weren't in a good place as a country, and people wanted to escape. You know, America is the land of opportunity, and that's what it was for me. Uh, my grandfather came here to earn money for the family, then my parents came. So I remember all of it. I remember, you know, not being able to tell my friends goodbye when I was leaving because you couldn't tell people you were leaving because of, you know, bad intentions. I remember getting on a flight. I still remember the man that sat next to me. I remember getting off the flight. I remember landing in New York and seeing a a sign that says drugstore and remember thinking, but drugs are bad. How do they sell them? (laughs) (laughs) I remember getting in my, you know, my parents' Pontiac and seeing my dad, who I didn't remember whatsoever. So yeah, I remember every single thing about it. But thank you for asking about that. Did you speak English? Did you speak English when you came? No, I didn't at all. Um, but you know, when you're so young and you're really put into that environment of schooling, I thought that my school did an incredible job and, in, you know, bringing me in. And when your brain is forced to learn a language, you really do, and I was able to learn it pretty fast. How and like because, nine years
1: old is not that young. Like I when you think know, of like yeah, young, yeah, you think of like four or five, maybe maybe younger. But uh, by the time I met Adrian, Adrian was fluent, and that was early, I guess, freshman year. So I was like yeah. six years later.
0: How do you how do you rep Poland in your like daily life? Like how central is that to your own identity now?
2: You know, it's a great question. I think there's there's two parts of that. So I had a really funny argument with someone when I was younger. So there was a there was a man when I was just super young that told me to go back to Poland. And I told him that I'm more American than you're ever gonna be. And he looked at me with the shocked face. And he goes, what do you mean? And I go, what did you have to do to become American?" Mm-hmm. I was like, you did nothing and you still do nothing. I was like, I am, my family had to fight to get here. Yeah, I had to huh. get in line. I had to wait. I had a lawyer that took all my family's money that wasn't really doing anything for us. I had to take a test. Like I had to fight to get to become an American. You did nothing. So I think that's the first thing of ca- how I feel about being in this place. And you know, I love this country with all my heart. I think it is the greatest place in the world and I'm going to forever feel that way. So I feel like how do I rep Poland is a tough question because I don't know if I do. I think I rep my family and how I was raised. And I think I specifically think of my grandfather and the things that he taught me as, as a child, which is like how important education is, that through hard work you can accomplish anything Um, That you have to be able to run through walls when someone says no to something that you believe in, that you have to stand up for what's right, that you have to stand up um, when people try to push things that that are not right. So I think that's the kind of ideals and the things that I live with every single day. Um, And I don't feel like they come from a location that you're born. Um, I think they come from something else.
1: Which is actually a perfect segue for us because I had no idea knowing you these 20 years, that you learned that from your grandfather. Adrian's always been about like, Adrian has never taken no for an answer. Of all my friends, most of us are just like, okay, it's not going to happen. But Adrian doesn't really believe in no's. And I think that's kind of brought you to where you are now. And even though I've known you forever, I still don't have a clue what you really do. So would you explain to us, what do you do? what do you want to be? What's going on in your yeah.
2: life? Well, what I want to be is a long story. So we're, we might have to skip that one for now. So what do I do? So, you know, my whole career has been in tech. I have been in digital technology my whole life. So, so what that means is when you engage with an app, when you go on the website to buy something, um, when you are, um, when you put in your information on a point of sale and store, you know, all of those things I have, I have worked with my entire career. What I do now is I work for a global company. I'm an executive that runs Salesforce programs. So Salesforce is the fastest growing technology in the cloud space right now. And what they do is they have marketing cloud for things like email. They have commerce cloud for being able to buy things online. They have service cloud for things when you call into a service center. They have sales cloud for when you're tracking your sales. And they have a lot of other incredible things for analytics, for integration. So I am an expert on that platform. And what I do is I work with various companies globally, and I work with their executives. And we try to figure out what is it that you want to get better at? Do you want to get better at recommending products, engaging with your customers, you know, resolving their issues faster, all of the things that were really accelerated by COVID but have been around for a long time. So I come in and I try to help these brands figure out where they want to be. And then once we figure out the vision, we help them deliver that through the use of technology with my um, specialty being Salesforce.
1: And that's yeah. what I think Benny. I still can't really explain that to anyone, but fair enough. <laughs>
0: So, um, speaking of the cloud, uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, what? But I, I, I felt like we jumped too much into Adrian now, and I want to. I still want to go back to the, the mists of time, and the uh, specifically the mid '90s yeah. or late '90s when you first met the Reverend Ben De Hart. What was oh, your first man. impression of Ben, and how has that not changed over the years? Young Ben. Well,
1: I have no idea what I want to
0: start. I want to start off humbly. am i the
2: reason ben is a priest yes okay (laughs) so i'm gonna i want you to close your eyes when i tell you the story so it's they're close listeners it was it wasn't 90s it was 2000s and we're in high school and i have a girlfriend that goes to another high school she's a soccer player and i tell i recently met benny and i tell ben Would you like to roll with me to a party? It's gonna be like five of us and the whole soccer team. Ben looks at me, excited, a little scared, and says, I'd love to. So we go out, um, we we go to this party. It's at my, my first love's house. We're partying. Are we drinking? Maybe. Are we dancing? Obviously. So we're having a little dance off, and I need a refill. I go to the drink station. And for some reason, Ben has his Bible out and ba- Ben is sharing Bible quotes. No with, way.
0: This with is not real.
2: Are you serious? Is this real? And, I have no memory of this. I know. That's the problem, Ben. <laughs> so the truth is, is that from sophomore year of high school, we have called Ben the preach. Okay. Ben has always been a lover of God. Ben has always been religious, and we started calling him the preach, and it all just so happened that a decade later, he really did become a preach. did,
0: did. Ben's love of God's word help or hurt him with the soccer team? Oh, completely hurt him. Completely oh yeah. That's <laughs> what I thought. Yeah.
2: It was downhill from them. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right. That's good. Yeah. So Ben obviously had this beautiful religious foundation his whole entire life. Um, He, and I think that really embodies who he is and, and why we are, you know, best friend soulmates. But I think other Ben things, um, Ben was always incredible at school. Um, I, I feel like he was always ex, exceedingly mature among, um, you know, the high school crowd. Where he really didn't need to make a lot of the same mistakes a lot of the other people were making. Um, he was he was always extremely kind. Um, he was always, and to this day, a horrific dresser, um, which which Britain was still breaks my heart every single day. Which is why I just um, use
1: the wear the clergy uniform now. Everywhere. Yeah, he,
2: he gets like the athletic clergy uniform, which is pretty cool. But I so we Brent and I have been friends for twenty one years now, and we have spent thousands of nights together and. I can't think of a single argument we have ever been in. Like, I think that's pretty powerful.
0: That is unbelievable. Um, well, if you could change anything about Ben, what would you change and why?
2: <sighs> what would I change about Benny? I'm scared. No, I, I don't know. I don't know if I, I don't know if I would change anything. I would love if he would become a little more stylish, <laughs> but then like that would reduce so much of his charm. The, the, no, no yes charm but like me being able to make fun of him every single day uh, like i so said yesterday
0: what is he like how in what ways does his style infuriate is the wrong word what what is how why does he dress so poorly this is well, like a context
1: people context adrian was voted best dressed our senior year so let's oh. let's keep that in mind
2: <laughs> it's true it's funny you know, it's just it just needs work, Nick. I think it just the coordination,
0: okay, the okay.
2: But you know, Benny's getting better, and I think the good news is, is that he is so handsome he just doesn't care about the clothes. That's
0: true. That's true. That's right? Is there? That's exactly Is there right. a? Is there a celebrity <laughs> or a fashion icon that Ben could, in your mind, kind of model himself after a bit more? Like who Do you is think the Queer icon?
1: Eye is coming coming to my door
0: <laughs> after this? <laughs> if you're listening you know, I don't
2: know that. I don't know you know he's he's so charming and handsome I think he can get with over <laughs> okay that's
1: fair. I think the nice way Adrian used to talk about this when we were in high school is you used to say and I, I totally thought this was a compliment <laughs> and like I received this as like you know the religious Ben was like oh happy about this you used to say Ben you're just not a materialistic person and I admire that about you but and I think true. what he really meant by that was like you don't know how to go out your front door <laughs> No,
2: and you're not, but like that's, that's the magic of who you are, I think, is I can always come to you and you're just, you're just all love, always. And I feel like people who are materialistic can't be all love because a lot of their love goes to things and you don't have that, which I think is, is powerful and it's why you're one of the greatest people I've ever met.
1: Wow. Wow, I, I didn't even pay for this. That was that was moving, unbelievable. Well, you heard that, friends. You heard that here. <laughs> uh, so moving on away from me in true humble fashion, false humility fashion. Um, Adrian is newly married. I did the wedding. We were in Florida on an island, south of Tampa, uh, and I just want to ask, like, how's married life, and what 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 advice might you have for those of us who can't seem to find the right girl. Boy so, for a female, so returns.
2: yeah, so I did just recently get married. Um, we had an incredible time, um, throughout the summer. So, as you both know, we were supposed to get married in Philly, big event at a museum in Philadelphia. COVID messed with that, so instead, we scaled it down from 150 people to 40. We rented this huge place on the water where everyone stayed in with us, we had a ton of rooms it was so, so much fun. We really got to engage with the family. Everyone got to meet our friends and, you know, cross pollinate, which was incredible. But, you know, marriage right now has been incredible. Um, I feel like nothing really changed, but I feel like I am a little more romantic right now. Like the ability to say my wife um, and to know that that's like the person I married. So it's been very special. I am I'm humbled by it. I'm happy with it. It's been nothing short of amazing so far.
1: And I'll vouch for Alyssa, who we're going to make listen to this, even though she said she's listening to Artron and but I'm sure she hasn't. But uh, she is delightful. She's Italian. She's a nurse. She is the most clean person on the planet who will clean up. That's true, you, even if you don't ask. Uh, but yeah, she, she is wonderful. I'm so lucky. And Thank so really my are. whole
2: entire life, Nick, I said I wanted to meet an Italian nurse at Barnes and Noble. So I have an Italian nurse. Sometimes I tell her I might have to go back to Barnes and Noble to fulfill the prophecy. <laughs> but for what where years. did that
1: dream come from? That's so so specific. So is that what they thought about in Poland is the ideal? <laughs> <American>?
2: <laughs> no, I don't think so. So so Great question. So Italian, you know, I, I love Italian cooking. We went for a honeymoon in Italy. I think they're a loving culture that loves the E and focuses on family. And all those things are very true for her. I have a lot, a lot of friends and people in my family who are nurses and they just care for people. They're selfless. They look out for other people. And I feel like it's an incredible talent for our kids in the future um, and Barnes and Noble, it's. I spent a lot of time there, you know, throughout college and my masters, and I felt like people that were at Barnes and Noble on like a Friday or Saturday night were special to me because they were they were working towards something and they were creating and like you guys do with this podcast. I love creators and people that sacrifice to achieve things, and I think all great things require sacrifice. So those three things just, just stood out for me, Nick.
0: Wow. I was thinking it was like a meadow soprano thing, you know, like some type of. Uh... You know, you know, I'm a uh, Sopranos. My second favorite show of all time. What's your What's your meadow, first? Game of Thrones. Oh, okay, well let's let's dig into Sopranos a little yeah, bit. I want to I want to get I want to get into some typology here. Who Who yeah. are you? Who do you see yourself as on that show? Who do, What character do you mo- most relate to? So I think Sil,
2: his consigliere. Eh?
0: Oh yeah, Eddie Van Zant. Um, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Very logical. Um, honest and loyal to Tony toward, to the end, um, businessman, um, funny, stylish, um, Greta's wife, and he was just, you know, when you listen, so I dove deep in a lot of the Sopranos, directors, producers, and writers, and they loved writing parts like Christopher or Janice, his sister, or his mom, because they 95% of what they say is just insanity, like when you, Anthony Jr., his son, if you ever rewatch the show, he never says anything good, ever. Oh, oh ever. totally. Oh, no. It's 100%, <laughs> never, 100%. ever. Yeah. So the writers love writing those roles, and those roles drive me a little nuts. And Sill was always the level one that, you know, that was uh, an anchor to that family. So I, I like them a lot.
0: That's good. Yeah, I've actually been re-watching The Sopranos. It's like top of mind right now. Yeah, I, I've been... I, you know, I've only watched, I didn't watch the show when it was live and it took me four years to probably watch it the first time. Mm. It's taken me about four months to rewatch it. I'm watching it all the time, but I've been surprised how, how central Johnny Sack is in like the final two or three seasons. Like he's in a lot of scenes and he's one of the primary plot drivers And that uh, this is not a Sopranos podcast, but yeah, I, I don't even know what to say about that other than just like that. He is to me a very a very I mean, I don't know if he's drawn, a, I don't know if you know about this, Adrian, you know, it sounds like, you know, more about the show than I do. That's for sure. If he's some composite figure of a different mobster or something, but his like the way yeah. he's in, but not of, and his like ruthlessness once things get going with little Carmine. Yeah. it's that's a crazy, crazy yeah. part of the show.
2: No, absolutely. That's where everything goes downhill because him and Tony were tight forever and they work through everything. But when he comes on top and things get you know, with his wife, Jenny, I think her name is everything. Yeah, that's right. That's right.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. Well, it's been all perfect because I would say 70% of our unrelated parts of our podcasts are about movies. So, or oh. shows. So this, this works out well. Uh, before we get to faith based stuff, because I mean, our podcast tends to be a more faith based podcast. I'd love to talk. I mean, you just came off your honeymoon after your wedding uh, you were in Italy, you were in Venice, you were, where else were you? So no Venice, we did oh, no Venice. South
2: of France, we did Monte Carlo, and then we did Naples. So we did like Sorrento, Capri, Amalfi Coast.
1: Which sounds like kind of a dream vacation for a lot of people. And you are quite the world traveler, and you kind of have a fun way of rating where you've been. Can you Can you talk about that? to our listeners?
2: Yeah, I would love to. So, so travel is probably my biggest passion. Um, I we, we were so fortunate that my wife and I were able to go off. She has never been to Italy and she absolutely loved it. Um, but so I, I rank, when pe- people ask me for travel advice all the time, and, and I rank each location I've been to on three things. One is fun. Two is how authentic it is. And three, how classy safe convenient it is so something like vegas right might score like an eight on fun but a one on authenticity because it's not authentic whatsoever right something like in new orleans fun can range for what you like authenticity would be like through the roof right like there's there's no other place in america that is like new orleans in my opinion, place like New York is a nine or ten on fun, authenticity, and class through and through. Um, so the places we went to really ranged on those. I would say the most authentic was probably um, Italy. Um, fun, we we loved South of France. Um, the least authentic was probably like Monaco and Mont and Mont with Monte Carlo where we were because it's it's all you know designer shops which. Which definitely have their place, but it wasn't like, wow, this thing, I'm standing in the gardens of Augusta on Capri, which is historically and visually incredible. So that's that's how I take a look, take a look at the world, Benny.
1: Yeah. Well, what's Nick
2: one
0: what's one place? Uh, hey, sorry, what's one place we should go? What's one thing you one place you would absolutely yeah, so, recommend?
1: Yeah, so where I, should we go next? Because Nick, Megan, and I travel. A lot. they allow me to be their third wheel. So where where should we go? So
2: so many incredible places. So my favorite place in the world is Greece. Um, specifically Mykonos. On my rating, it's ten fun, ten authentic, ten classy. It is incredible because they don't really let you build anything new. So there's no really high, no skyscrapers, no big buildings. It is beautiful, authentic family homes and small resort style things within mountains surrounded by gorgeous water so greece is through the roof um another trip that i recently loved was tulum that was incredible what they were were able to build up within mexico was stunning it's it's fun it's it's if, if you want to meditate step out and have an incredible dinner that's just a great place those two things jump out at me nick
0: all right, I didn't know where Tulum was until you said Mexico, so I appreciate
1: it. Oh, Tulum buddy. is like the spot that seemingly every New Yorker who didn't go to the Hamptons seemed to have made their way to Tulum for like a month uh, during the, that middle or that, the beginning of the pandemic when everything was crazy. And There's a good
2: reason for it, and there's a good enough. reason
1: for it. We'll, we'll consider those. All right, buddy, so Nick and I are Christian pastors. We want to know, what's your religious life? like? Uh, Let our listeners know. I think it's good for us to encounter those who are unlike us. Uh, So yeah, give us a little bit of your religious story.
2: Good question, Benny. So I was an altar boy. I was an altar boy for a few years and I loved it. Um, I think growing up in Poland, which is majority Catholic, accepting Jesus and God and Catholicism is just a part of your upbringing, you really don't question it. It's interesting how I moved away from that. So, and it's it's kind of funny and quirky how life gets at us. So that, that, that Wolverine movie came out with Hugh Jackman where he's like the old man, right? And spoiler alert, he dies. And no jokes, I was severely depressed for three weeks after watching this movie. And I am not saying this in the way that I'm trying to make a joke. I literally cried. I called my mother. I was severely depressed because I don't know what I was emotionally feeling, but Wolverine was this you know, strong figure and he's a fun, incredible force in the X-Men series. He has to be one of the top ones. And when he passed, I, I had this incredible feeling in my heart that said, wow, I am definitely going to die too. And it's not that I never thought I would. I always knew I would, but it was like, for some reason, the scenario of this this character, which I'm really not tied to anyway, but was the strong human passing away scared me. And I would... Talked to my wife or my friends during that period. And I was like, I don't want to be disconnected from you when I die. Thinking about how close I am to my mom, who's my best friend. And I remember calling her crying, thinking, I don't ever want to be disconnected from you and disappear and not have your love anymore. And I realized through that journey that I knew I was going to pass and that it's okay. And I, sh- I really shifted th- towards atheism and i think it's even tough for me to even say that word because that word scared me and that always kind of scared me but i really did and i think as i sit here today if i was a betting man and i am a betting man i would say that god i believe god doesn't exist now there's a lot of duality within that as is there a lot of duality in everything we feel i think first is i have a desire for there to be a god because i think the God story has so much more beauty to it that we continue on and that we can continue to be. Um, I, I have a complete and firm belief in karma. I believe that there is a universal energy of karma, which I think in some ways contradicts the God story in the, in, in the way like if there is no God, and we're just animals on this planet. Karma shouldn't really exist, I think. Um, so I you know, I sometimes find myself wanting to find something and having something that's there, and I haven't. Um, and that's kind of like the duality I live in. I, and I think to finish that, I think I had a really interesting thought where it was when I was scared after watching this movie and fearful I changed my mind slightly to say, why do I feel like I need to live forever? I thought it was a selfish thought. I thought it was like my ego saying, but I'm me and I should live forever or I hope to live forever. And I really moved away from that. And I really changed my mind towards, I am so lucky and fortunate to be alive. One, that, that my mind is here. Two, that I get to be in the setting and the fortunate life that I get to live now, and when that is over, it will, it would have been enough. It would, have, it would have been enough already what I've lived and experienced with love and excitement and experiences that I had. Um, but that's that's where I'm at, Ben.
1: Yeah, no, that's fair. I I, I have noticed through the years you being an unbeliever, and yet at the same time, yeah. You have this very strong sense of karma, and you're really into that, the, the secret, the, the law of attraction, yeah. uh, which is, was always interesting to me. And, and hearing you say yeah. that, it's interesting because I would hear you say on the one hand, yeah, I don't really believe in anything. And on the other hand, this kind of spiritual, religious yeah. impulse, and then you would be kind of evangelistic about it, too. You would be like, Ben. If you want that, you have to attract that. And I always found that to be very interesting in my mind of like, okay, like, and I think that's true for a lot of people, like a, a lot of folks who would say they're agnostic or, or whatever, tend to, yeah, just like we Christians at times, not be completely, uh, coherent or, or, uh, consistent, uh, in our beliefs. And I think for, for those of us who are Christians, probably 99% of us listening, it's it's I think it's interesting to hear these stories because a lot of times I tend to approach unbelievers or non-Christians like I would approach my secular family, thinking that they are completely secular, that they do that they only really have spiritual questions when they have their like breakdowns at three o'clock in the morning when it's like the opposite of your experience. Like I know I'm gonna die. I don't wanna die. Um, I find that all really interesting. So, yeah, I mean, so it sounds like you've mentioned dealing with anxiety, dealing with this traumatic experience, watching this movie. And I think that's a good segue for us to talk about, uh, this center that you created this anxiety center. Uh, I know that, and you can get into this as much as you want. You've dealt with, uh, a lot of anxiety in your life and you've received a lot of help gotten through all that so yeah tell us about anxiety center yeah i would love to so
2: so i i've spent a lot of my time my life you know working a lot if it was a it was school or work and i've always been a type a overachiever so you know getting high results has always been critical to me and about seven years ago i was working you know, implementing this loyalty technology, working at an incredible firm. And I went from being exceedingly healthy. And I mean, you know, in the gym, eating well, fit to very anxious. I've I've never experienced a panic attack in my life. I never felt um, anxiety until about seven years ago and it hit me. and it was by far the scariest thing that's ever happened to me. Um, it lasted a, this whole tobacco tobacco lasted about three to four months and it was the most terrifying thing that ever happened to me. I lost control. Um, it, it all really stemmed from my lack of sleep because I was working so much. but I would have these really scary panic attacks. Um, I would have you know, trouble breathing, and then that would turn into me not sleeping, and that would make it worse. And at that time, I had access to an incredible insurance through my company. I had money to pay for whatever treatment I wanted. And I experienced something that millions of people experience, which is there is no real good way to get help for our mental issues, no matter how much money you have. Our planet, including the US, including the wealthiest people in the world, do not have real good ways to deal with that. We are not taught about that. In high school, in college, um, you go to hospital, they wanna fix your broken arm, your broken leg, they wanna stop the bleeding. They are not there in any way to help you with a panic attack. So here I was, someone that was um, very healthy, um, living an incredible life, you know, working at a job I love, uh, you know, traveling the world. And I, I've reached a point of the scary anxiety and I would bounce from doctors in that three month period. I hated how they would resort to medicine off the bat without understanding what it was, which terrified me and still terrifies me today. Um, and, you know, I, I battled through um, I implemented a lot of different things that you know changed my life. but I started to think, if I experience this, someone that is very capable, someone that's strong, someone that has the, the money to pay for everything, what does somebody else do? What do you do when you don't have the money? What do you do when you don't have the insurance? What do you do when you don't have someone like me that has an incredible network of friends and family, and the girl at that time that was willing to do anything that that i needed at that time and most of them have nothing and it's terrifying and it's a reason why there's so many people that are suffering there's a, it's a reason why so many people are homeless and so many people are in prison and why i have relationship issues and why i struggle at work etc 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 so i decided that you know i wanted to do my part so i created anxiety that's the website, anxietycenter.ai. And it, is, it just shares some fundamental things that you can do um, to support anxiety. So it's things like uh, meditation. It's things like journaling. It's things like therapy. Um, it's things like um, getting good sleep, which is number one on my list every single day. Um, and I and I wanted to launch this as an ability that people can pop in, check out some things, read things. Um, we in no way are doctors or therapists. Um, we are a bunch of people that want to share information that helped us. Um, we we send people to to sources that are helpful. Um, but you know, I wanted to share some of the things that I did that were just just so helpful to me, and I wanted to share with the world.
1: So give me, uh, I always like when people say what worked for them, can you get into particulars of, I mean, you kind of talked about bouncing around yeah. from doctor to doctor and you do I mean, this is no slam on the medical establishment. I think a lot of times it's people really mean well, but when I go to visit people in hospitals. I see time and time again, these, these doctors and nurses who mean well, just have so much on their plates and they have to see so many people that actually like when the person who I'm meeting is complaining about lack of care or like, they don't know, I don't know what they're doing to me. It's not, they're being paranoid necessarily. It's like Mm. the system is kind of broken a bit. Again, I'm not slamming our frontline workers who've done so much. I think more it's almost like the the system but but to get back to what i started with what worked for you what would you say were the things that other than sleep which you mentioned in particular
2: yeah so you know no i still want to start with sleep because it is like when you do research for one is the number one reason that can get you out of the presence depressive state anxiety state Help you with your education. Help you with your fitness. Help you. It's sleep. It's sleep is number one on all those things. I, I never realized as that, our so. listeners have
1: heard our uh, the Reverend Nick Misky here has in the past really struggled with his sleep. Oh yeah, definitely.
2: <laughs> yeah, and I think Benny, you did too. I think all of us on this call have, and likely everyone that's listening, we all do. Um, but so it's ch- it's changing the lens to prioritize my sleep. So when I enter a a project that I know is gonna make me travel to Singapore, um, sleep is gonna be a priority in how I book my hotel and book my flight. So sleep continues to be a priority in everything I do um, because it's a way that we refresh. If we're learning a lot, if we're in school, if we're in a relationship, sleep helps all of those things. And it's a really beautiful thing that nature created it. Um, I would say journaling has been critical for me. I do it all the time. I did it yesterday. And I will just, um, I will just write, and that and I don't mean journaling in the sense of, hey, it's Tuesday, I loved Nick Sure, I did the podcast with him today. This is how I felt. It's much more like self therapy. Like I, I, I talk about things that I'm feeling and going through, and I map them out, and I, and I just write. So. Um, an example might be I might be considering a career change and I have to make a tough decision about three different options. So what I'll do is I'll write out all three and and write out what's important to me and you know what I who I want to be in five years and how these things plan to it. And it's just really getting your thoughts on paper and challenging those thoughts. So I I will put something on paper. So so I, I leverage something called design thinking. And that's what, you know companies like Apple utilize always. And that's when you start with design thinking, you think of what's every possible option for this. And and options can be crazy. So, hey, when a hurricane hits, people lose internet and and that really hurts us. What can we do? Okay, well, we can ship them phones in Teslas. Um, We can send jet skis with phones. We can have everyone have a waterproof phone in their basement, you create these crazy things. And eventually you're gonna come up with an idea that's like, hey, we can send balloons up in the sky that have internet connections. And initially that idea is crazy, but after a while you realize that's the idea that works. So we kind of break out these ideas that, that limit us and we put things on paper and then we try to find the best solution. By the way, the balloon solution was the solution that solved the internet issue. And there was thought of through this like design thinking. So I do design thinking. So if I, if I feel that I'm, I'm looking for a new project, I'm going to do like why? And I'm going to analyze that. If I want to change in my relationship or how I react to things or w- what I want to accomplish or if I want to get in the shape, I, I, I dive deep into those things to understand myself, my intentions. And that has just been really groundbreaking for me. Um, exercise. I mean, you can, there's a, there's a stat on the website. Um, let me, I would love it if I could pull up it's because it's, it's just hilarious. And I, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to, but it's, it's a website that talks about the benefits of exercise and it's okay, here it is. Higher levels of physical activity Improve the risks of all causes of morality. So it's basically saying anything that can kill you will exercise can help remove that barrier. So it's anything from, you know, you know heart disease, heart attack, anything is, is fitness. So those were some of the things that I, I started to incorporate, you know, balancing my schedule more. Um, and it's been a journey. It's, you know, it's, it's an ever evolving journey. Um, We experience anxiety every day. Every one of us does. Anxiety is beneficial to us because it's the reason we're alive and allowed our ancestors to survive. So seeing it as a beneficial thing. um, I love anxiety because if I feel it, I have to know, I have to think about something or I trust my senses that something might not be up, um, might not be right. So Benny, that's some of the things I did.
1: I was hoping you were going to say uh, meditation just because our, our podcast has oh, been about absolutely. prayer. So. Yeah, but, it
2: is. Yeah. And I should have, but, and yeah, so I, I try to meditate about four times a week. I actually run a meditation one hour for my entire company every month. So absolutely meditation um, is, is by far one of the best things in the universe.
0: So Adrian, I, I spent some time on their website. It's a very cool website. Uh, I really like the book recommendation section listeners should definitely check that out. Uh, but maybe you don't have the, uh, answer from the list that you have on the website, but maybe yeah. a cool way to end the pod. What are, uh, what are three books you're you've reading or have read that you'd recommend? Great question. So I
2: would say, um, homo deuce blew my mind and and let me let me give you the author here because that book just completely it's homo Deus, a, a history of tomorrow um by yuval noah harari that book is just world class and really see the guy who wrote memories. sapiens it is yep yeah, this is the follow-up to it so sapiens is how we got here and then this is the follow-up to what happens um on the Anxiety Center, on the book recommendations, the first one is gonna be The Four Agreements. So love every single thing about that book. It's four agreements that we make with ourselves. I've read it over 10 times. The first time i read it was in the day. It's very short, but definitely one of the most powerful um, books that we have um, out there. Um, and I think I can leave you with a book called Factfulness. Um, which I've read recently, it was actually a recommendation for my wife, um, which is 10 reasons why we're wrong about the world. And it talks about, you know, what's happening with education and poverty and diversity over the world and why we think um, things are a lot worse than they are. That was a really incredible
0: book. Um, so that's another one that I would recommend. Thanks. Strong, strong note to end on, man. That was awesome.
1: <laughs> that was great. Well, thank you so much for being here and listeners check out, what, what is Anxiety Center's website?
2: www.anxietycenter.ai.ai
1: And he does love him some artificial intelligence, which maybe <laughs> after the second season when we have you back, you can talk more about that. But listeners, thank you so much for uh, enjoying these two special episodes. And next Wednesday, we are gonna have our first episode on the Psalms. We can't wait. Tell a friend, and we'll see you soon. How about that episode of our Triune Pod? Now that you've been prepped for praise, won't you do us a solid and subscribe and review? We promise to keep the outlandish illustrations coming. So be sure to join us for another episode of your new favorite.